Films have done much to shape how we view war, for good or ill. It was through the medium of film that much of the military propaganda of the 20th century was spread. Even today, we remember past and present wars with films. And there has been a marked shift between depicting the glories of war to depicting its horrors. The individuals portrayed in those films have gone through a shift as well, from the certain warrior to the reluctant fighter. In our previous series on The Lord of the Rings, we talked about the power of narrative in shaping us and in shaping the culture. With war being such an inescapable part of human existence, it's no surprise that narrative has had a role in shaping our ideas of it and those who engage in it. Yet, the Bible calls Christians to be peacemakers, a role that seems out of place in many portrayals of war in cinema. In this episode, we ask, how has the portrayal of war in cinema had a part in how we as a culture feel about war? What does it mean to be a peacemaker? All that and more on this edition of the podcast. We're a forum for discussion on the issues that are ruminating in the minds of churchgoers, but that are often not raised from the pulpit. Too long has the church shied away from grappling with tough questions and nuanced issues. We're your hosts. I'm Riker Zalameta. I'm Lucas Manning. Welcome to Questions from the Pew, where faith and culture meet. Not bad, Luke. Not bad. <laughs> How are you? Doing great. Also love your jacket. The listener can't hear. Oh, thanks. But, I mean, I remember when you'd wear it and we'd be in person. That's an incredible jacket. It's a tried and true jacket. Yeah, it really is. Here's the thing. Like, this is off topic and off brand maybe for our podcast, <laughs> but like invest in some, Yeah. not even expensive clothes, no. but like just good quality and then take yeah. care of it. And it'll take care of you. Wow. Yes. That's a Hallmark card just waiting to be written. Statement pieces, as we call them. Oh, is that what they're yeah, called? Statement. Yeah. At least that's what not that's what Ruth, my wife, calls them. Statement pieces. I'll trust. Yeah, I'll trust. Like you. shoes can be statement pieces. Jackets, you know, they're things that okay. you know they ground. I have no idea. I know yeah. nothing about fashion. Yeah. Anyway, all right. <laughs> that's our. Second, We're talking that's about war. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've just got multiple podcasts on the side. Yes, this is our main one. Yeah. Though. Questions from the runway is our. Is our oh. <laughs> it's just questions themes for all of yeah. our podcast titles. Yeah. All right. Great. All right. Here we go. Let's jump in. Cool. <laughs> A question from the pew. All right, first question. How has the portrayal of war in cinema had a part in how we as a culture feel about war? Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's been a change. Yeah. Right? I, hopefully, I, I, at least I think, from what I've seen sure. in my short life, yes. there's, been, <laughs> there's been a change. Yeah. I think of, um, I mean, I haven't really seen, well, maybe I have, but like military propaganda films, mm. you see... I mean, World War II movies usually have, like, a scene 
are oftentimes have a scene where like the characters view uh, military propaganda film. Yeah, sure. So yeah, Captain America. So there's that. And, he goes to the yeah, to the theater and watches the the yeah. good old boys putting it on Hitler or whatever. Yeah, and then it, you know it's a hard cut to you know people enlisting. Yeah. In you know presumably because of the propaganda. You know the military propaganda yeah. film. So there's like there's that, and then like the portrayal like outside of military propaganda, the portrayal of war in that era of like, hey, we're doing a good thing here, we're rescuing people. Sure. Um and then the the people who are involved in it are seen as heroes. Mm. Um I guess maybe one dimensional sure. you know, portrayal of, of the people yeah. who are fighting Righteous in wars. Warrior. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. yeah. So that's one I guess that's one extreme. For sure. It's a more, you know, extreme in the yeah. past, I guess. Well I mean something to mention here is uh, like Hollywood and the military's relationship, because there is like mm-hmm. a if if a, a movie like uses props or whatever from like military props or whatever, they the script has to be like signed off by the U.S. military, which is like it's just interesting, oh, yeah. and I, I'm not here to say that every movie that is about war or, or has like military uh, like equipment in it is like propaganda you know what i'm saying but at the very least the military has to say okay this isn't like harmful to our like agendas you know what i'm saying and so that's like one just like a i don't know i don't it's just something to keep in mind when we're watching movies especially like produced by the u.s like in hollywood or whatever Mm. uh is you know this is being signed off by the military you know what i'm saying uh yeah and at the very least it, it probably isn't a poignant uh critique on the u.s military you know what i mean Mm. so one thing to think about Mm. but there are i mean there are different portrayals even in like modern film you know what i mean like i i feel like like saving private ryan or whatever for those who've seen it it's Mm. a very uh i guess gritty or or maybe just realistic depiction of the violence and it's pretty tough to watch at points but then there's like that but then so like that uh so that has a pretty gruesome picture of war, but then I don't, I remember, I don't remember this movie that well, but I did watch it as like American Sniper. I think it came out when maybe we were in college or oh, something yeah. like that. Bradley Cooper. Yeah, yeah, Bradley. And as much as I remember, I don't remember that. I'm never, I don't remember feeling queasy about that movie. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it, it was maybe further on the propaganda spectrum. You know what I mean? Where it's, mm. you know, I don't know. America's the good guys, <laughs> you know. I, I don't know. From what I remember, it's there's a lot of so it it very much focuses on a single individual. Yeah, sure. And from what I remember, I, again, I haven't seen the film in a while. From what I remember, it leans more heavily into the like the traumatic like side of things, like individual okay, sure. traumatic side of things. Okay. Whereas with, you know, just to juxtapose it, you know, Saving Private Ryan still very much deals with the trauma of things, but. F- but from a yeah, you're, like that opening scene it. is just a, the yeah. whole you know um, the whole army is is being traumatized yeah. Storming and so Normandy. there's a yeah so there's a little bit of a difference there but yeah there there definitely has been that shift though yeah right from kind of the glorification of war sure. to like 
really being upfront about the horrors sure. of of fighting war, and maybe the glorification of war. I mean, I guess you can you still see some of these films um, happening, right? So, not necessarily glorifying war. Yeah. But I think of films like um, what was that film? Oh, Zero Dark Thirty. Sure. Right, like the killing of Bin Laden. Yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. That. Um, so that you still get instances of yeah that's not really depicting the the horrors atrocities of war, but it's kind of I guess celebratory in a way yeah uh, or maybe some of those kinds similar kinds of films maybe they they're made as a way of um, a way of honoring those who fought sure. I don't know yeah I mean once again just with this topic it's just always murky because it's like. Obviously, like, these soldiers have suffered, you know what I'm saying? But then, like, I don't know. I guess it's just, like, in the way some of these films are always, like, justifications for war. You know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, for better or not, not for better or for worse. But, you know, the perspective is almost always the U.S. military. You know what I'm saying? Like, in all of these, American Sniper, Saving Private Ryan, Zero Dark Thirty, like, Black Hawk Down. Did you ever see that? Mm-hmm. Um so, and once again, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to dishonor anyone, but also, like, the U.S. military is portrayed as the good guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're the, in, in all those situations. And I'm not even saying, like, for instance, in Saving Private Ryan, I think the Allies were the good guys. You know, I, I mean, if there is, as Tolkien said, there's orcs and demons and angels on both sides. So it's like, you know, I don't, but... You know, if we were to say World War II, I think the Allies were more in the right. Anyway, I'm just saying it's good to notice that it is from a perspective. And, like, you know, Americans are generally in the position of the good guys. You know what I mean? Or, like, the suffering mm. warrior or, you know, whatever it is. And, yeah, so I don't know if there's anything you want to say on that. Yeah. Are you saying then that – yeah. I'm just trying to think of, like, how – that shapes the way the culture feels sure. about well, war. So there's a shift then from like the military propaganda where, yeah, we need to go off world war. It's a good thing yeah. to the focus on like the, the, I guess the good. Sure. Well, that's where yeah, I, I right. think like the general cultural like sentiment when it's, you know, of these movies is like war is ugly, but like we have to do it. You know what I mean? That's like mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. that's like, I don't know, the overarching theme. It's like, yeah, the American sniper guy, like, suffers PTSD and his family suffers or whatever and all this stuff. But, like, you know, he has to do it. And, like, yeah, Saving Private Ryan, like, look at all the horrors of war. But then, like, look at, like, the little hope of, you know, Private Ryan coming home or whatever. And, like, you know, he had to do it. And, like, all these, really. And the Bin Laden one even, too, which I don't know if... I haven't seen that one, so I don't know how, like, its portrayal is of war, but... It's like, yeah, like we had to do that. You know, that's a thing in the, that's an objective in the world that was worth the suffering and violence that we, you know, perpetrated to get it done. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah.
Yeah. I, I find the, that shift interesting to, like, so if military propaganda is one, you know, end of the ex, of the spectrum, yeah. then a film like, and I think, like, films like Saving Private Ryan or films like that that portray the atrocities of war maybe are at, um, like, at a central position on the spectrum. Sure. Then one film that I see as a very, as, you know, the other side of the spectrum, yeah. um, or the, you know, the other opposite of the spectrum um, is Hacksaw Ridge, mm. which is... I haven't seen that one. That, that film, I, I saw it um, maybe a year after it came out, but uh, basically tells the story of this uh, a pacifist mm. who was drafted sure. into World War II. Yeah. Um, and so that's a very... I mean, it very much <laughs> kind of... Um, reflects what we're talking about in this episode, right? Like how do you how do you do that? And it's a it's very much a, a film that glorifies this person's sacrifice um, who was drafted in this mil- into the military and served in the way that he could while not giving up his religious convictions. Sure. Um, I, th- I don't know if there are any other films like that, that. you know that are like that. Yeah, I mean, one that I don't think is like that, but just popped into my head when you were talking about that is uh, Christopher Nolan's, what's it called? I don't even know what it's called, but it's about the like the British civilian boats who came and evacuated the soldiers out of France. Oh, Dunkirk. Dunkirk, yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, that's another one where the f- the fighting isn't really central. Like, there is some fighting in it, but it's hmm. it's more about, like, civilians stepping up right uh which to be fair they're still stepping up for like you know just their country Mm -hmm. or whatever but at the same time it's you know it's people not fighting who are having or who are alleviating some of the pain and suffering of the war you know what i mean which is Mm -hmm. i assume i haven't seen that hacksaw ridge but i assume if he's a pacifist and he's doing that well it still very much deals with that like dunkirk still very much deals with okay there there are the atrocities of war that now civilians are being sucked into, sure. right? Sure. Because, you know, because Germany essentially needed to be stopped. Yeah, sure. Otherwise, it would have overrun Great Britain, sure. right? Sure. And so that was kind of, that was the whole, that's the whole premise, yeah. right? The, the thing that, um, and so that's a very interesting movie to me because it pulls all those elements together. Sure. And it doesn't rely on, from what I remember, it's not as gritty or as violent as even Saving Private Yeah, Ryan. there's just a little bit of violence, I feel like. I, I don't remember much. Like, there's some, but, like, not too much. Like, I think mm-hmm. the ship gets attacked. And then the scene that sticks out in my brain is, like, when they're... I think they're, like, under a boat or something. And they're, like, hiding oh, yeah. out. And then there's, right. like, a sniper and shooting And the tide is it. coming yeah, in. Yeah, that was a horrible scene, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, it's still... I guess it still deals with the atrocities of war. Yeah. But it does it from our, almost, like, a psychological side, I think, which, again... Which is typical of Nolan, sure, right? Sure, sure. Um, but uh, it doesn't rely on the violence and the psychology of violence, but so much. But it, it yeah, it deals more with the, yeah, just mental trauma sure. of that. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it there's definitely been a shift. I don't. I think. I think in the past we've definitely glorified war more blatantly. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I'm speaking specifically of America, um, than we do now. But 
I think I do think that the uh, I don't know the end result is still kind of similar in that I think there are mm. still people where it's like yeah war is ugly but like it must be done it's still like motivating people to go to war you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. um, to yeah because you move you get the move from the the strong certain warrior who wants to go off to war yes. to you know again my extreme of the pacifist who has no choice but to go yes, to war sure. but still maintain his religious convictions but that's still to your point glorifying this individual who serves yes. in a war context right. well that's right yeah it's like everybody can contribute to the you know what i mean to the mm. war effort or whatever that's it interesting. is yeah yeah so and and once again it it's tough it's tough because obviously war as Christians, we just want to eliminate it. It would be great if there's just no war. But then you ha- you do have this, um, yeah, just this tension of, like, there just are wars, <laughs> you know what I mean? And most right. likely... So what do you do? Yeah, no matter what, like, people group you're a part of in the world, most likely in your lifetime they will be engaging in some sort of war, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and some some sort of violence. So it's it's really is, it's, it's what do you do, yeah. which... I guess is a good segue to the next question. Yeah, into the next (laughs) question. A question from the pew. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? Hmm. What does it mean? (laughs) What does, what is peace? (laughs) Maybe we can start off with biblical warrant for the peacemaker stance. Sure. Right? Yeah, okay. That's great. I mean, Paul talks about, or in Paul's letters, it talks about, you know, if as possible, as far as it, you know, rests on you, on your part, do what you can to live peaceably mm. with all men. Sure. Which, which might be deriving even from Jeremiah's work for the welfare of the city. Like, mm. you might be in Babylon, you know. Um, live peaceably, obviously. It's very much so towards war, whereas the other one is more occupation. But either, I think they're connected. But anyway, sorry, keep going. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's the main passage that sticks out in my mind, and obviously at the individual level as well, of Christ's example of not fighting for one's, yes. you know, yeah. freedom. You know, in his case, he was being arrested. To, he was submitting his life, yes, but... It was very clear with Peter that, what did he say? Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Yeah. Um, nothing, you know, prophetic per se about that, but it's the reality of like yes. if you take up violence, violence yeah, will get you. Yeah, truly. Yeah, I mean that's just like the tough, the tough part. Well, what this makes me think of, just talking about that, is. Uh, just like the the conversations I've had with people about just like their own personal defense where it's like, yeah, if it's just me where something horrible is happening to me as a Christian uh, or like violence being done, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't, I would submit myself to that uh, is like the argument. But then when it's, you know, it's other people being mm-hmm. like, for instance, my wife or kids or, you know, on a war context, you know, a whole nation of people who would potentially okay. suffer. It's, I mean, once again, it's just, it's just a big tension, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, it's a tension that people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer felt or people in the mm. 
uh, in Nazi Germany. Felt, sure. Right? So Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a, a scholar, pastor, theologian, was faced with the question of, well, how far is too far before we have to step up sure. and do something to stop Hitler, yeah. who is massacring the Jews? Sure. And he had to come to that, you know, decision. I'm not even saying it's a yeah, not taking a stance decision. on one, right? Yeah. But it's a for him that that question that you know for us is theory here on this podcast. Yeah. It was it hit the rubber hit the road. For sure, him sure. In that right, yeah, and yeah, the, the, I I guess for me there's a a, a follow up question is. Does being a peacemaker necessarily mean pacifism? Sure. Because I think those two are often equated, yeah. right? Sure. Yeah. It's tough. Because, like, when does avoidance of war lead to bloodshed? Sure. Instead of the saving of life? Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's kind of back to what we were talking about earlier of just like different approaches to war and. And kind of different approaches to morality because so there's like different people will say different things about what's moral. Um, mm. Like one will just say like participating in an immoral act is immoral and that's just like the end of it, you know, whatever the act is. Whereas like there's other people who will say the like net suffering. So it's like if the suffering is mm-hmm. greater, if you don't intervene, then that's, you know, obviously wrong because there's more suffering if you don't versus if you if you did do atrocities there'd be less suffering so i mean there are different like philosophical ways of looking at it (sighs) yeah i mean when it comes to the bible's perspective i think maybe with much meditation and conversation maybe we can come to some sort of uh like war philosophy but i think it's primary it's primary like or maybe uh, more face value or not face value, but just its primary message is how do we create a world where, you know, wars are not necessary. You know what I'm saying? That's the, Mm -hmm. you know, and how do we, you know, how do we get there in a world where it is necessary, right? Or not necessary, but it's happening right now. Um, Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't know how I would answer that question either right because it's like i mean at one level the new testament is still very much concerned with the individual um you know the live peaceably with all men and that's got a communal side of things as well but it's certainly not at a national level yeah well because the the, so if we're going to broaden it out to war then the authors of the bible were never in a position i mean if we're talking about uh the old testament was formed and it's you know, canonical form, you know, post-exile. Um, and then obviously, you know, the New Testament by Christians before 313. It's like the the authors or composers of the Bible were never in a position to send an army to attack or defend anything. You know what I'm saying? Um, maybe the closest you could say to that is like the rebellion that happened in 70 AD in Jerusalem. And then, you know, obviously the temple was destroyed and... Uh, so there was obviously some military action, not really from Christians, but from, you know, Jewish people in Jerusalem, uh, which I'm sure there were Christians around. Uh, but yes, they, they were never in a position like the United States is in, where it's, you know, we have a very formalized military 
that ha- is capable of, you know, stopping injustice in other places or working toward our own ends in other places. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think it, I mean, to your point about Dietrich Bonhoeffer is obviously like he ended up making a decision at a certain point, you know what I'm saying? Um, to, to do something. And I just, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's, I don't know if there's an answer that one person can give for another person's situation. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think that that's right. a kind of wisdom discernment thing that when you're in a position like that, you got to figure out, I guess, you know? Yeah. 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 Cause you don't have a, you don't have a manual right. for that, right? In the New Testament. Right. Um, and it's very different from the Old Testament. So I guess, I don't know. Maybe maybe this question is a little bit more, I guess, spiritual or theological in nature, but sure. kind of like, and I don't, I don't mean to say this as a cop-out, but like the, the guidance of the Spirit for those of us who, listening, who, sure. um, who you know, identify as Christians and, yeah. you know, uh, acknowledge the spirits working in us. Sure. There's going to be a reliance of uh, reliance on um, the spirit's direction in those yes. situations, if and when those totally situations and yeah, come. What, and what I'm saying isn't like I'm not saying I don't, I'm not doing a cop out. Mostly because what I think peacemaking means is like we're just building the kingdom of God on the front lines of conflict. You know what I mean? So whatever, I just don't know what that looks like or when it look. you know, how, when, or, you know, specifics in any given situation. I think it's up to, you know, the follower of Jesus who's in that position to say, what is building the kingdom on the beach of Normandy? look like? You know, I mean, I don't know if there's that. I mean, that might just be a full consequence of human evil and violence. And there is no, you know, I don't know. Uh, but like for Dietrich Bonhoeffer, what does building the kingdom of God look like in, you know, Nazi Germany? Um, right. And what is that? Yeah. So that's, I think that's what peacemaking yeah. is. Um, yeah. But yeah, the specifics of maybe pacifism is building the kingdom of God in certain situations. You know what I'm saying? Uh, mm. And and maybe that is. Certainly. Uh, but then, you know, maybe in others it's not. Um, and there's, you know, there's di- diversity of views within the church. Um so, you know, one person's pacifistic convictions uh, and another person's, uh, I guess, interventionist convictions. I don't think, I think we can have grace for each other when we have those differing, you know, perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think there's something to be said about, I feel like peacemaking is almost, this idea of peace is equated with the absence of violence. Sure. And I think the absence of violence, I think, can be, a part yeah, of that. Definitely. I think there's a it's a result of that. Yeah. But I think making peace Yeah, it's not ignoring so like the issues con- or injustice. Right. Or, yeah. This idea of peace is is biblical idea of peace is things as they should be. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um and so what does it take for us to get to the point where things should be? Yeah. I mean it could be, you know, heated arguments or whatever you know is that in some contexts that might if you're if you're trying to get into arguments left and right that's certainly not being a peacemaker (laughs) but if argumentation is the way to understanding promote the peace empathy all those things um and not in a fluffy sense but in a real substantive sense of let's get somewhere with this i think that's something 
there's something to be yeah. said about that, right? And again, that's contextual. Sure. Maybe that's maybe that's what we're trying to say. That's like yeah. the idea of being a peacemaker is so contextual yes. that it's hard to give broad strokes answers because it's going to look different for not only each individual but each community. Truly. Yeah. No. Because we're not going to have to. We don't have to answer the same this same question um, here in you know 21st century America yes. um, versus. You know, if we're going to keep it within the same century, what does the church in Ukraine sure. do? Yeah, yeah, very. How how are they peacemakers? Exactly. Yeah, I mean that's where. Yeah, I don't. I think what you said was beautiful, and that it is contextual. Yeah, I think. I think what it doesn't mean is like, the lack of conflict. To your point, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Um, I think that's kind of a. Yeah, a conflation, which I guess peace. Well, I think I think the reason why this is so uh, thorny is because, to your point, you know, building the kingdom of God is things as they should be, and what war is like the exact opposite of. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When you're in a war, mm-hmm. it is the furthest you can be from the way things right. are sh- supposed to be. You know what I mean? And so that's yeah. where it's like, how do we, how do we even get there? Um, and so when you're in the midst of a war, yeah, I think it is contextual and that's maybe it, maybe it's a lame answer for people. Um, but I guess that's where I I do think that the Holy Spirit and like, you know, that's why the Bible is wisdom literature that we meditate on. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Mm -hmm. we're supposed to, we're supposed to be formed by it so that we do have wisdom and understanding to make decisions in uh, in cases where the Bible isn't very specific. You know what I mean? That's really right. its whole point. Uh, and you see people in the Bible doing that. I mean, you see Jesus doing that where he's pulling wisdom. It's He said it's it's not about uh, it's not about murder. It's just about hating your brother. You know, that's like the wisdom underneath the command for murder or like, you know, mm-hmm. saying you fool or whatever. So, um, yeah, so I think what it means to be a peacemaker yeah, it's to be someone building the kingdom of God. And how do we know how to do that in times of war? I mean, the only way we can do it is meditate on God's word so that we can be wise and discerning in those times. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening and joining in on the conversation with us. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do so on Patreon. It's just www.patreon.com slash questions from the pew. And if you can't support us financially, please give us a good rating or review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, and that helps others find our podcast. Also, please comment and ask questions. You can do that by following and messaging us on Facebook or Instagram. You can also leave us a short voice message or text message at 312-725-2995. If you do leave a voicemail, please keep it under 30 seconds or so and tell us your name and where you're from. We'd like to include your voicemail in our Q&R episodes, but if you prefer for us not to, just let us know and we'll include your question in another way uh, and without giving away your information. Same goes for any messages you send us on social media or through text. This has been Questions from the Pew, a podcast in the World Outspoken Network. To learn more about World Outspoken and its mission to prepare the Mestizo Church for cultural change, visit www.worldoutspoken.com. For Questions from the Pew, I'm Riker Zalameda. I'm Lucas Manning. We'll see you next time. Bye.